We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. And a good morning tips after the hour of 10 o'clock as our number two gets started on this free for all Friday edition. The phone lines will remain open to you at 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. If you don't want to wait on hold to have your say on whatever topic you wish on a free for all Friday, you may, uh, indeed, uh, text, or excuse me, not text, tweet rather, tweet, Facebook comment, or parlor comment to me on these uh, issues of the day at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all one word, no spaces, no underscores. Coming up in moments, we are going to be talking with the sage of South Central. And Where I'm giving you a taste coach right now. Greg Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs when you need him. Where's the super woke athlete activist, King LeBron James, when you need him? And where's the hyper woke, woke coach, Steve Kerr of the Golden State Warriors, when you need him? I'll tell you where. They went back to sleep. They're not woke anymore because their dollars were in jeopardy. That's where. That's uh, the great Larry Elder with his later, latest video presentation for the uh, Epoch Times. And uh, the NBA, in all of its full-blown hypocrisy, is set to start its season next week. The question is, will the fans go along for the ride? You recall. All right. Uh, let me bring Larry Elder onto the program now as uh, I was trying to set the table for him. But now that we got all of the uh, uh, glitches out of the system, Larry Elder, the Great Sage of South Central right here on AM 1420, The Answer this morning. Larry, good to have you, my friend. How are you? Doing great. All right. Sorry about all of those issues there, Larry, but uh, I wanted to bring you in a little bit better than that. But your your video uh, that you posted, your latest, uh, and by the way, I love this addition to the Larry Elder Library of Brilliance. You know, you do it on your program every night. Uh, you write. Uh, you, you've got your great website, and now these videos for the Epoch Times is just phenomenal. Um they went back to sleep. The woke NBA went back to sleep, Larry, because uh, China, because China threatened some of their dollars if they dared speak out again. China exports their censorship, and the NBA says yes, sir, to their grandmasters. What say you? 
Well, it's interesting. Uh, as I mentioned in the, in the video, you've got Steve Kerr, who's always popping off about this, that, and the other. He's popping off about uh, gun violence, believes there ought to be, quote, common sense gun control laws. He's always popping off about how uh, Trump is racist, as uh, is LeBron James, Greg Popovich, same thing. Uh, but uh, when it comes to uh, this issue about the Chinese dissidents and that relatively meek uh, tweet that the general manager of Houston Rockets sent out, all of a sudden uh, it's back to shut up and dribble. It's really quite quite fascinating. And, of course, it's, it's about the money. Uh, someone told me that LeBron James personally, Bob, because of his relationship with China, uh, the way his jerseys are selling, video games he's doing, personally he's on the hook for about a billion dollars over the course of his lifetime uh, because of his relationship with China. That's a lot of money. All of a sudden, his principles go out the window. Well, I'll give you another billion example here, because it's not just selling his stuff in China, uh, uh, Larry, that is at risk here. It's the fact that his $250 per pair of shoes that sell here in the United States and around the world are made in China, in Chinese sweatshops by kids making 50 cents an hour working 15-hour days. And, uh, right. and he, doesn't want, he doesn't want to have that cut off as well, otherwise that cuts into his revenue stream. Jason Whitlock, the uh, uh, very, very, uh, I think, uh, courageous sportscaster, said that uh, the NBA is a $8 billion business, Nike is a $30 billion business, and their biggest market is China. That's so that's exactly all you need correct. to know. That, that's what's going on here. Now, yeah, what I find and, and, also Steve, interesting... Not Steve Bob, Kerr, but uh, Adam Silver, Larry. Adam Silver said yesterday that the losses suffered by the NBA as a result of just this week-to-two-week-long kerfuffle with the Chinese government has already cost them, uh, I think his word was, substantial uh, uh, dollars. So it's probably not in the billions, but it is in the tens of millions already. And that is, again, right. you know, it, when LeBron James says, I will speak out on behalf of people who can't speak out uh, for themselves, unless it's going to affect people financially. <laughs> that was the first right. word out of his mouth, financially. Financially, then he said, or right. physically or spiritually, but financially, right. that's all you need to know. <laughs> Did you hear what he said the other day? The other day he said, well, uh, I'm not going to speak on this anymore because, quote, we're not politicians, close quote. We yes. discovered he wasn't a politician. And again, Bob, the silence on, on China is not too surprising when you consider that the NBA has been silent on the most serious problem in our society and a serious problem in the league, and that is unwed fathers. Uh, in the, in the uh, mid-90s, Sports Illustrated did a cover story called Where's Daddy, showing a little black boy holding up basketball on the cover, and the whole article was about all these players who have kids outside of wedlock. One player, former player and former agent was quoted as saying, <clears throat> excuse me, for every player that does not have one, there's a guy with two or three uh, kids outside of wedlock. It is the number one problem in our society. 70% of black kids are raised without fathers. 50% of Hispanic kids are. 25% of white kids are. Uh, and I have no idea what the problem is in the league because no one takes any numbers. But that is the number one social problem in this country. And if LeBron James really wanted to be a leader, he could lead on that issue because he married uh, the mother of his children. And so if anybody would be able to be a spokesperson to tell people, don't have kids until you get married, it would be LeBron James. Where is he? Well, that's a great point, uh, and I know this is a, a, a staple of your commentary, and it's a big, big part of your philosophy, and I happen to agree with it 1,000% about fatherless uh, children, uh, particularly in the minority community, and that's something LeBron James should be keenly aware of. But let's also talk about what he said when last January he quoted MLK, in a salute to MLK on the 50th anniversary of his, uh, of his murder. He said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Our lives right. begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Well, apparently the oppression uh, and the and the the torture and the enslavement, essentially, of millions of people in China and in Hong Kong, apparently those people don't matter. How come we can't speak out about that? 
Well, you're absolutely right. And let's talk about Steve Kerr a little bit. This is a guy whose father was assassinated by Islamic terrorists uh, in Lebanon. Uh, he was the head of the American University in, of, of Beirut. Now, you would think that somebody like Steve Kerr uh, would appreciate uh, the human rights violations that the Hong Kong uh, people are, are protesting, would have some sympathy for them. But in, instead, uh, he said, well, you know, I, I really don't know about it. I, I, I don't know much about it. Uh, uh, I have a brother-in-law who teaches Chinese history. Maybe I'll give him a call and ask him what's going on in China, but I really don't know enough. Hey, 65 million people, blood on the hands of Mao. They're still running concentration camps, relocation camps, persecuting religious and ethnic minorities. That's all you need to know, Steve Kerr. Larry Elder is joining us, the Sage of South Central. You hear him every uh, weeknight here from 7 to 10 on AM 1420, The Answer. Larry, um, let me pivot now to um, yesterday. Mick Mulvaney, the White House Chief of Staff, um, admitting, according to the left, of a, pre- quo, a quid pro quo, saying that, um, yes, uh, funds were held or at least delayed um, as a part of, uh, you know, simply a standard part of deal making. He said, we did it with, uh, with the Central American countries. We withheld aid to them until they helped us out on immigration issues. Uh, and yes, we withheld aid to Ukraine until A, other European countries started helping them a little bit more, so we're not the only benefactors, and B, because we wanted to get to the bottom of corruption in Ukraine, including um, what role they played along with Russia in the hacking of the DNC servers in 2016. I thought that's what the left wanted. The left wanted us to get to the bottom of that. They spent all of that money with Mueller trying to get to the bottom of it. The president inquires in Ukraine, and suddenly it's treason. Well, big picture, Bob. If it weren't for the fact that from day one they've been trying to delegitimize, if not impeach the president. Maybe, just maybe, more Americans, including me, would pay attention to this kind of stuff. But remember when he got elected, pressure was put on the electors to not even certify the election. A quarter of the Democratic delegation didn't even show up for his inauguration. About a dozen of them didn't uh, show up for his first State of the Union speech. We had this nonsense about him being mentally unfit and therefore his doctor has to have a press conference to show what a fit guy he is they tried to invoke the 25th amendment to argue that he was unfit then the emoluments clause business as if he can't get fair market value for people staying in his hotels and then they had the argument that he was in violation of campaign finance laws because of the uh, payments to these women uh, the argument that he's not paying taxes because he won't turn over his tax returns the two and a half year investigation with Mueller, and now there's this and so i'm sorry my eyes just glaze over at this point that's a great point, and, and you're right. And in fact, people always say that they were coming after him from day one, the day he won the election. And the truth of the matter is, as we know from the text messages exchanged by FBI FBI leaders, including Strzok and Page, with the knowledge of McCabe and of Comey, they were they were plotting this before he was elected. He's not going right. to win, they said. But in the unlikely event that he does, don't worry, we'll have an insurance plan in place, and that insurance plan will be moving to impeach him from the very beginning. So prior to the will of the people being exercised, in other words electing him, they were planning to usurp the will of the people uh, as, as soon as it did happen. Absolutely. And again, how seriously can you take the criticism when he's been called a Hitler and a Nazi and a fascist from day one? How do you take these people seriously? Uh, Hillary says that he is an illegitimate president, that he didn't even win the election legitimately. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard on the stage said, Donald Trump won the election. As much as we don't like it, he won the election. Oh, my God. A Democrat actually admitting that he won the election? Say it ain't so, Joe.
Well, you're right. I mean, you know, they, they have called him Hitler, fascist, a racist, a, a, a sexist, and all of these things right from the very beginning. But we're supposed to be clutching our pearls at the fact that in a face-to-face meeting on Wednesday with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and other Democrats, he may have called her a third-rate politician. Oh, my goodness. Ooh, a third-rate oh politician. How dare you insult the speaker in such a way? We're supposed to get upset about that after everything they call this guy? I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and Al Green and Maxine Waters wanted him impeached for his alleged racism. <laughs> so racism, 25th Amendment, uh, violation of the Emoluments Clause, violation of campaign finance laws, two-and-a-half-year investigation. Uh, we're just sick of it. Uh, and Republicans have just folded their arms and, and put their hands over their ears and their eyes, and they said, you guys are out to get this guy no matter what. So we're not taking you seriously anymore, and that's where I am. You mentioned emoluments. Hit that real quick, the announcement that uh, the uh, G7 is going to be held at the uh, Doral Trump uh, uh, Resort in Florida. Well, there's nothing wrong with getting fair market value for uh, for your service or your or your, or your products. Uh, and uh, Donald Trump owns a lot of hotels, owns a lot of resorts, and people stay there. Oh, well. Yeah, and not only, oh, well, I, I thought Mick Mulvaney made it very clear yesterday, too. There's not going to be any profiteering for the hotel. They are going to essentially provide all of these services at cost, not for profit, at cost. So, number one, it's going to actually save the taxpayers a lot of money uh, by holding this thing there. Number two, they said, where you want us to go? Camp David? Camp David, everybody complained about it. It's too small. There's not enough room. Right. You don't have helicopter right. landing areas. You don't have this. You don't have that. Press has to drive an hour on a bus just to get to the, to the locations, etc. I mean, why not make this the most convenient possible? And if they're trying to say, Larry, that the president is trying to profit from his presidency, using this as a way to, uh, you know, to, uh, uh, to grow his own businesses or his own brand. For crying out loud, the man's net worth has dropped by a, a couple hundred million dollars since he ran for office. He is, yeah, he is working for free. He's, he's sacrificed yeah. everything, and they're trying to say he's trying to profiteer off of this. Yeah, I think Forbes says his net worth has dropped by almost a third. Uh, that's a, that's a good billion, assuming he's worth the three billion. I know he says he's worth ten, but most people say he's worth three, three and a half. So yeah. he's lost a third of his net worth, as you pointed out. Doesn't doesn't charge anything for the job, and even if he charged uh, for for people staying at his resort, as long as he's not overcharging them, as long as he's charging them fair market value, the same price he charged anybody else. Uh, this guy was a billionaire businessman before he became president. He's still a billionaire businessman. Larry, we're late to our break, but I'm going to ask you one more question anyway, because everybody else has an opinion. Conservatives are divided on whether it's the right thing to pull our remaining troops out of Syria uh, and allow Turkey to do what they've done. I know that uh, Turkey came in right away, guns a-blazing, which is what everybody expected. Uh, And some say that's why he got our troops out of harm's way, because they weren't going to fight them. So you might as well get them out of harm's way. And apparently there's a deal now, a ceasefire deal that was struck between Pompeo, Pence, and uh, and Erdogan and his leadership. Where are you on the issue of uh, getting out of Syria and the threat of ISIS reconstituting? Well, I think this has been the biggest mistake of his presidency. Uh, the only big mistake he's made in his presidency, as far as I'm concerned. But let me just say something about the people who are criticizing him, especially Democrats. These are the same people who didn't say jack when Obama pulled all the troops uh, out, of, uh, out of Iraq against the advice of his entire national security team. He was warned there would be a vacuum into which terrorists would flow. In comes ISIS, they metastasized, and the left said nothing. These are the same people who, when George W. Bush wanted to surge in Iraq, uh, called him a warmonger. The surge turned around the war, and nobody ever said we were wrong. So the Democrats are instinctively people that want to withdraw. They don't want to intervene. And when you get a president who ran on saying, I want to get rid of endless wars and tries to do just that, all of a sudden uh, they're criticizing him as commander-in-chief. It is hypocritical. At least I'm consistent. I believe that there is there does need to be a presence there. Uh, I agree, agree with Tommy Frank, the general that I interviewed 
some years ago, the one that, that, uh, that was the architect of the strategy that toppled Saddam Hussein. He said either we could fight him there or we could fight him here. The footprint in northern Syria was relatively light. We just had 2,000 troops. Uh, Trump cut it to 1,000. Uh, he just moved 50 uh, special ops out of the way of this invasion. Had he left the 2,000 uh, people there, Erdogan wouldn't have had the guts to invade. So I believe that it was a mistake, and I believe that... Um, uh, that Donald Trump uh, recognizes now that it's a mistake. That's why he sent Pence and uh, uh, Pompeo to try to negotiate something. But I think it was a mistake, and I think we double-crossed our, our allies. Larry, that's why I love having you on, and it's why I love sitting in for you, because we see eye-to-eye eye on nearly everything, including this. Larry Elder, the great sage of South Central, thank you so much, my friend. Love you, Bob. Take care. You too, my friend. 1023, right back after this. segment here at 1028 went a little long with larry uh but i apologize for nothing <laughs> i'd rather listen to and talk with larry elder than just about anything honestly uh and that's no disrespect to my other friends in the uh, salem family but uh, larry is just a great great listen and a great conversation uh want to remind you that the um need is still great the donations continue to come in, and I'm so proud of each and every person in this listening audience who has been moved enough to send a $75 donation to Heartbeat International and the Option Line. I am so proud of you because you're saving babies' lives. Literally, the statistics show this is why they came up with this. The cost of running the phone lines is about $75 to keep the phone lines open and staffed 24-7. To keep them for a, a staff for a, for an hour costs about seventy five bucks. To keep it staffed for an entire day costs about eighteen hundred bucks. And so we're asking people to donate seventy five dollars if they can. If they can do it, one hundred and fifty dollars that will keep the phone lines open for two hours, four fifty for four hours, and all the way up again to twenty four hours for eighteen hundred dollars. Donate what you can, because each seventy five dollar donation saves a baby. Each $75 donation, according to the statistics, uh, indicates a woman who is calling to find out, are there any alternatives to abortion? I'm in a very desperate place. I don't know what to do. I don't think I can handle this. I'm not ready for this. I didn't ask for this. All the different reasons that women find themselves in situations of unplanned, unexpected, or unwanted pregnancies, and they might be on the verge of abortion option line exists to give them options and to have their babies and whether they keep them or not to save their babies lives and heartbeat international has been doing this across this country and across the world since 1971 and we are partnering with them to raise funds to keep them operational the government will not help the government only funds baby killing organizations like planned parenthood the government doesn't fund baby saving organizations like heartbeat international and that's why we're funding it Please go to our webpage, whkradio.com. Click on the option line banner at the top. Takes you right to the donation page. Donate 75 tax deductible dollars, 150, 450, whatever you can afford. Tax deductible and save babies' lives. You can also do it at saveababynow.com or by calling this number, 800 999 7408. 800 999 7408 is the number to donate $75. Ever since we announced this, and we've been doing it for the month of October and will continue to, but especially on Wednesday when we had Heartbeat International in our studio, it was our special donation day. The money has come rolling in, and my goodness gracious, there is nothing better you can do with your charitable dollars. It's the end of the year. We are in the last quarter of the year, obviously. And guess what else? 
Uh, that means you're, you're, you have to get all of your uh, charitable donations in before December 31st anyway, right? In order to save money on your taxes this April, you got to get these uh, charitable tax-deductible charitable donations in by the end of the year. You might as well choose a charity that is important to you. And what is more important than saving babies' lives? So again, uh, go to the webpage, whkradio.com. Click on the banner for Option Line, which will help keep those lines open and become available uh, for counselors to refer women to the pregnancy resource centers uh, all over the country. You know, there's 20, what was the number, 2,700 pregnancy resource locations across the world. 1,500 of them here are in the United States. And this is where we send women to save babies' lives. Go to whkradio.com, click on the option line banner, please, and save a baby's life. Back after the news. half hour of the uh, broadcast week. Let's make this one count. It is a free-for-all Friday. Phone lines are yours for the next 24 minutes until uh, we give it over to Mike Gallagher. Anything you want to talk about, if you want to stay on the impeachment, the quid pro quo, you want to talk about uh, what Mick Mulvaney said yesterday, you want to talk about the Trump uh, rally yesterday in Dallas, uh, anything you want to get into. If you want to get out of that altogether and talk about local issues, it doesn't matter. That's the uh, nature of free-for-all Friday. Anything you want to talk about, you decide. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. We'll put you up and on the radio. If you want to send a message to me uh, on Twitter or on Facebook or on Parler, you can do that at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. Again, all one word, no spaces, no underscores. Here's a great list um, from uh, Brett, uh, Twitter follower Brett. Who uh, does? He's very funny, very funny guy. Uh, but this isn't funny. This is accurate. This is real. He was kind of following up, or actually, I think I received this before Larry Elder came on and read his big long list of things that the left has tried to do to impeach President Trump. Uh, but Brett sent me this tweet: failed attempts so far. Actually, this is a follow up to his first tweet, which is watching the left go after Trump is starting to get as ridiculous as watching Wiley Coyote continue to, uh, Coyote to continue to pursue the roadrunner. I keep waiting for Nancy Pelosi to roll out the Acme impeachment kit, uh, and it's really, really accurate. I mean, attempt after attempt after attempt, and then then he listed these. Failed attempts so far. He's a bigot. He can't be president. He's sexist. He can't be president. He's homophobic. He can't be president. He's a Russian asset. He can't be president. He's a puppet of the Koch brothers. He can't be president. He's uh, killing immigrant children. He can't be president. He's colluding with Russia. He can't be president. He's obstructing justice. He can't be president. He's misappropriating funds. He can't be president. He's blackmailing foreign leaders. He can't be president. Those are just, you know, the, the, the highlights that they have come up with so far. When the truth of the matter is that his only crime that wasn't on this list is he won the election. He can't be president. He won the election. We can't let him be president. And they decided that before the election. So, uh, really great comprehensive list. And I, it, it's impossible to dispute. They have done all of the above. Uh, the only thing I think he missed here, uh, Brett did, that Larry Elder hit on, was the uh, 25th Amendment, that he's, uh, uh, he's uh, uh, unfit to serve. He's unfit to serve. 
mentally. He doesn't have the capacity. He doesn't have the, uh, the, the character, the wherewithal, the whatever to serve the job. Uh, they went after him for that, too, and threatened to invoke the 25th Amendment. Of course, they have no evidence, none. But then again, they had no evidence on Russia. They had no evidence on he's targeting or killing immigrant children. They had no evidence on uh, he's a homophobe, no evidence on he's a bigot. None of those things. They make them up. They manufacture them. As I said earlier in the week, looking at what they're bringing out of the quote-unquote impeachment inquiry hearings that are being held in the basement of the Capitol building, uh, out of the watchful eye of the American public, um, my comparison was to an NFL quarterback. I probably shouldn't use Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield is not having a good year. So let me go to somebody else who's having a really good year. Let's say, um, I don't know, uh, how about Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson is the quarterback of the Houston Texans. To me, he is maybe the best young quarterback in the game, right up there with Patrick Mahomes, a couple of other guys. Deshaun Watson is just the truth. Dude is phenomenal. Anyway, this would be like somebody saying, I want to impeach Deshaun Watson from his quarterback position with the Houston Texans. And as evidence of that, I'm going to go into a dark room and I'm going to watch all of the film that I can possibly find on Deshaun Watson, examine all of the evidence to decide whether or not he should be impeached and removed as quarterback of the, of the Houston Texans. And so they go into a dark room where nobody else can be, and then they pull clips of each Deshaun Watson incomplete pass or Deshaun Watson sack for holding the ball or Deshaun Watson interception. And they will not tell anybody else what they're doing down there, but every so often they'll come up and they'll leak one of those plays. And then the press starts to get a collection of these leaks. Look at that incomplete pass. Look at that incomplete pass. Look at that interception. Look at that holding the ball too long got sacked. My God, this guy does suck. And then a survey is held. Yes, we agree. There should be an impeachment of Deshaun Watson as starting quarterback. But the problem is, is in that basement bunker, they're not letting you see Each touchdown pass, each remarkable read, each phenomenal run, each perfectly placed ball, and all they give you is the negative. Of course you're going to think negative of the guy if that's all they let you see. So get rid of uh, Deshaun Watson. That's what's going on with Donald Trump. They're going down into their little basement video room, and they're having their little powwows, and they're finding as much as many incomplete passes or as many negative things that someone can say about Donald Trump, whether there's evidence or not, just getting the statements and then leaking those. Gordon Sunland said this. Uh, uh, Ambassador Volk said that. Anything that's perceived negative. And what happens? The American people read and feed on all of this stuff. Negative this, negative that, negative this, negative that. Oh, my gosh. Let's have a survey. How many people think Trump should be impeached? Hey, look at that. 54% a majority. But what about all the other stuff that was said in that bunker that was not supportive of impeachment? What about all of the things that were uh, uncovered in that uh, bunker that were not evidentiary of wrongdoing, that actually cleared the president because of A, B, C, D, and E? We bury those... So that's what's happening here. And, and, and that's exactly why we and who we are and what we are are so important. Larry, again, my friend, Elder, likes to uh, say on his program in the top of every hour that um, we've got a country to save. We do. He's right. And it starts with we've got a president to save. 
and you don't have to love everything about the president, but you better love everything about the presidency. And you better know that he is being railroaded out of his job if the left is allowed to go on unfettered, which is why we need to act. And we need to be vocal, we need to be loud, we need to be supportive, we need to talk to our members of Congress. We need to demand that justice is done and that accountability is held for those who are improperly trying to remove the president, which was their scheme from before the election. Hello, John and Chardon. Thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. Following up on the things that uh, uh, President Trump has done that are that are good to save the taxpayers money, he, he's giving his salary as president to, to charity. So, in other words, he's doing his job for free. That's right. So, yeah. Not only is he not making money, he's actually losing money in terms of his salary and, of course, because he's not working hands-on with his businesses. You heard what Larry Elder said. Uh, some estimates say that he has lost as much as maybe a third of his wealth since he became president, and he's willing to do that because this is service to the country. This is truly, you know, it's the opposite of Barack Obama. The opposite of Bill and Hillary Clinton. They went into the White House at X in terms of net worth, and left the White House at X times 50. I mean, we're talking about growing their own wealth exponentially while in office. How does that happen? Uh, and yet, here's Donald Trump losing money while in office, and they're going to complain that he's holding a G7 summit at the uh, at the Trump Doral. Yeah. Well, what you're saying reminds me of something Harry Truman said, that uh, you, you have to be a crook to uh, make money in po- politics. Yeah, the only way you can make money. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. That is very true. Yeah. That's why they call it yeah. service. You know, in service to the country. When you serve as a member of the Congress, a member of the House of the or the Senate or the, uh, uh, you know, an elected uh, uh, executive official, whether it be governor, or, if you go in, or excuse me, if you come out with two, three, or more times what you had when you went in, then you cheated. You stole money somehow, some way. You got greased in ways that we can never know. Because it's impossible for you just to make your salary. You know, the, what's the president's salary? $400,000 a year, I think. I think the number, current number is $400,000. That's what the president won't take. And as he said, he insists go to charitable, charitable causes. Um, but if you're taking your salary of $400,000 and yet somehow your net worth grows by 10 to $20 million in the course of your time in office, you cheated. There's just no other way to say it. And yet they're going to complain that Trump is holding this at his his uh, one of his resorts to uh, make him money. Give me a break. Don and uh, Don is in uh, Cuyahoga Falls next. Hi, Don. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Good morning. I'm going <clears> to <throat> make several points with you if I can on why we should be out of Syria because I disagree with you. Uh, in the first place, we entered under suspicious circumstances. I thought I I can't imagine why Assad would be crazy enough to launch chemical attacks on uh, on his enemies there and of course right away we had videos of dead children anytime something happens in the middle east we've got videos of dead children just kind of like right now as soon as the kurds started to go in there uh we talked about dead civilians and dead kurdish children as far as having a presence there we've got presence 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 all over the place in the middle east uh we don't need any more presence uh the timing there is no good timing for Donald Trump to do anything. It's either going to be too soon, it's too late, it's the wrong way. Uh, and in the first place, we in, we did defeat ISIS. We went in there to defeat them, and uh, and we did the job. The prisoners being held there now by the Kurds, those are prisoners that other countries refuse to take back. So why do we have to be the eternal 
jailkeepers for these uh, bad actors. Why us? Can't somebody else uh, take care of these prisoners? Well, you're right about the last part. Uh, other countries refuse to take them and hold them, even if they come from those countries. Um, and that's a problem. So we're, we, we're left with a choice here. What do we do? Do we then take these ISIS fighters that you said have been defeated, do we take them and continue to hold them at our own expense? And at our own, uh, you know, potentially the, you know, the peril, the danger for our troops being over there to help kind of oversee the Kurds guarding them, that sort of thing. Or do we turn them loose? Um, if we don't watch them and the countries that they came from won't watch them, uh, and we don't kill them and execute them, uh, then we're turning them loose. And then we have to go back and refight them all over again and recapture them all over again. That is much more of a spilling of American blood than keeping them under lock and key the way they are now would be. Would you not agree? Well, I do agree, uh, yeah. But I think there are major players there right now. You've got uh, <clears throat> you've got Syria and the Russians and Iran. Uh, let them take care of that. The forces we have in Syria, there are, what, about 1,000 guys there? Yeah, it was yeah. it was it was two thousand uh, specifically the fifty special ops forces that we had um, uh, in that region were what we pulled back, and now the uh, the remaining thousand or so are apparently going to be pulled out. Which let me ask you this, um, Don, since you disagreed with the decision um, uh, to to be there in the first place, and you agree with pulling them out, did you agree with pulling the troops out of Iraq when Barack Obama took office? I did not at the time. Uh, I thought we should have kept a, a, a footprint there. I, okay. I agreed with being out of Iraq, but I thought that we should have had a, like a major base or a uh, a footprint to, to react against. And what was the reason for that? Why did you think we should have remained with at least a, a strong footprint there? Uh, just to show our presence, to show that, yes, we had gone in there, we had kicked ass, uh, uh it was ours, but we were being benevolent, benevolent, and uh, benevolent, you yeah. know, leaving. Yeah. And, <laughs> and would you would you agree that not doing that and pulling everybody out is what allowed the the vacuum of leadership that was there to be filled by ISIS? What eventually became ISIS as they started to establish their caliphate first in Iraq and then being spread to Syria. I would agree with that, but see, in Syria there are <clears throat> other major players. <clears throat> we're not leaving a, a vacuum. You know, we've got we've got the other guys that can should be able to take this. But, but who, you know, who, Assad, who, who, who? What other guys? What are we talking about? Assad. Okay, uh, so we're gonna oh, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna put we're gonna put our trust in Assad, and we're gonna put our trust in in Putin, uh, and we're gonna put our trust in the Iranians. Uh, when well, have they? When have any of the above ever lifted a finger? to help us stop the establishment of the Islamic State and its caliphate and the, the threat that it then poses not just to us, of course we're on a different continent, but our allies in the region. When have they ever lifted a finger to do this? Why would we trust that? That's eh, okay if ISIS escapes these uh, prisons that are currently being manned by the Kurds because the Kurds now have to go and fight off uh, annihilation from the Turkish invasion. Uh, it's okay. The Russians will get them. Uh, the Syrians uh, under Assad will get them when when why would we have any reason to believe that's the case well I, you're right about that i can't imagine anybody doing anything in our interest in the uh, middle east uh but my, my main issue with the forces there is that they're, they're not really fighting force you know a thousand guys that's about a battalion there are hundreds of thousands of other fighters so what's our role you're right but, but 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 you said it yourself 
our our presence there, just that you said it in Iraq, our presence of leaving just a strong footprint there, not full fifty thousand troops, but but just you know a, a, a couple thousand uh, on a base, you know, would would essentially uh, deter anybody. And Don, I got a jet. Thanks for the call. Deter anybody from doing anything. Same thing here. The two thousand troops we have had there in northern Syria uh, it has been the deterrent to stopping the Turkish army from doing anything, stopping Erdogan because he doesn't want to engage American troops. Because then it's going to be on. And, and, and that's certainly not something anybody desires. Our presence there was the deterrent. And our absence from there is going to be the uh, encouragement of more bad actors getting into, into play here. Not just Erdogan, but again, the reconstitution of ISIS. That's why I, like Larry, am being consistent about this. Um, we, were, we made a mistake in pulling out precipitously from Iraq. And I think we may be making the same mistake here. Thanks for the call. Right back after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Votes. Need your votes at whkradio.com for the Salem Culture Warrior of the Year. Voting ends October 31st. Over 500 nominees um, were uh, received by the Salem Editorial Board for the Salem Culture Warrior of the Year. It's been narrowed down to six finalists. Candace Owens, Alan Sears, Gary Sinise, Abby Johnson, Franklin Graham, and Charlie Kirk. All of them have great cases to win Culture Warrior of the Year and be presented with an award for all of their uh, efforts in fighting a good fight on the on a daily basis to save this country, to save this culture, uh, quite frankly. And um, all of their cases are laid out at whkradio.com. Read who they are, what they are all about, and cast your vote for us, please. We want to get a massive number of votes nationwide uh, so that we can truly say this is the American Salem Culture Warrior of the Year. whkradio.com. Please give that uh, uh, a vote or two. Let's go to uh, Navy man Norm calling us from Strongsville. Hey, Norm, go ahead. Hey, Bob. I, um, I have mixed feelings about this, and I'm ambivalent, and I'll tell you why. Right. The loudest voices are the ones that don't have any skin in the game. And when I say by skin in the game, I mean their sons and their daughters, okay? I served during the Vietnam era for six years. My boy's been in for 22 years. He flew over Iraq in the Navy for 15 months. And what what have we gotten from Iraq after 16 years over there? It's not any more stable than it was in 2003 when the war first started. So when we're talking about Syria, you're talking about an area where, and the Democrats, the only reason the Democrats are shooting off their mouth is because Trump, anything Trump does, they're opposed to. Now, as far as leaving a token force in uh, to basically serve as a firewall against yeah. Turkey, uh, against the Kurds, yeah, I go along with that because the Kurds were the only people uh, that stepped up to help us out against ISIS. So that I agree with. My only concern is this. If you're going to commit... American treasure, American blood, to any of these wars, then you go all out. There's there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I mean, if it's 24 by 7 round-the-clock bombing, I mean, if you're using every freaking drone you have in your arsenal, you go all out. And you go all out for one reason. You're not going to do this again. If you think about doing this again, we're going to annihilate you. I don't care if it's called genocide. I don't care if it's called what. But I am so sick and tired of the loudest voices and the ones that want us to keep putting our boys and girls in harm's way are those who have no skin in the game. 
okay? And that's just Norm, my personal. Norm, you know I have ultimate respect for your viewpoint and, most importantly, for your service and the service of your sons and your and, and, and anybody else that you're close to. I, I would take it a step further, though, and ask you to look long game here. We, if we commit, if we commit our treasure, meaning our our our, our blood, uh, to an effort, and then we pull back and allow the situation to get worse, and we have to then recommit not only those same soldiers and troops, but more to go back and capture them a second time. Um, I, I think that is a far bigger mistake than to keep, uh, you know, than to keep control of the situation. You mentioned Iraq. What did we have to show for it? Sixteen after, years after we went in in two thousand three. My answer to that would be we'd have a hell of a lot to show for it had we maintained our force there when every American military mind, everyone in the Pentagon, everybody in the National Security Council told Barack Obama, "Do not withdraw." Do not end the war just to keep a campaign promise. Do not pull everybody out because it's going to create a void that's going to be filled by something worse than Al-Qaeda in Iraq. And lo and behold, he did it anyway. And now we have been paying the price ever since. We won in Iraq with the surge engineered by David Petraeus. We won. And if we would have maintained, we would have a heck of a lot more to show for it now than we did because we bailed. And I don't want to make the same mistake now. Thank you, Norm, for your service again and for your viewpoint. Apologies to everybody else I left on hold, but we are out of time. Mike Gallagher's coming up next. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence.